podcast family, I don't want to hear it. Don't send me any direct messages regarding this session's review of a systematic review and meta-analysis that's just coming out June 2021 in the American Journal of OBGYN. I know people like their induction methods. I mean, they just like what they do. I've got a provider at our institution who loves using the intracervical balloon catheter for pre-labor rupture of membranes cases. Now, we're going to get into this, and this provider is absolutely dedicated to this method. But is that really a good idea? According to the systematic review and meta-analysis, it may just change your mind. Now, again, if you really like the intracervical balloon for cervical ripening with PROM cases, that's fine. Remember, my job is just to present the data. So, don't shoot the messenger, but remember, we really should be practicing evidence-based medicine. So, what did the systematic review and meta-analysis find? Well, let's cover that now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practices because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Term pre-labor rupture of membranes occurs in about 8% of all pregnancies. Now, when I trained, PROM stood for premature rupture of membranes. But the word premature freaked people out because it somehow related that, or especially patients did, to gestational age. So PROM, remember, is now pre-labor rupture of membranes. And if it occurs before 37 weeks, then it's preterm pre-labor rupture of membranes. Remember that the ACOG released the practice bulletin on pre-labor rupture of membranes just March of 2020. In that bulletin, the college reminds us that at term, while expectant management is definitely an option, most prefer and most would recommend immediate induction of labor. A meta-analysis of 23 randomized controlled trials found that induction of labor reduced the time from ruptured membranes to birth and reduced rates of chorioamnionitis or endometritis or both, and also reduced admission to the neonatal intensive care unit without increasing rates of cesarean birth or operative vaginal delivery. The largest of those trials also found that women viewed induction of labor much more positively than expected management. But expected management is an option if the patient chooses. Now, ACOG states, in cases in which expectant management is chosen, given that nearly 80 to 95% of patients will start labor spontaneously within 12 and 24 hours respectfully, then a period of 12 up to 24 hours of expected management is reasonable as long as the clinical and fetal conditions are reassuring. And then after that time, of course, then it's best to offer an induction of labor plan. So that brings us to our podcast topic now. In cases of PROM with an unripe cervix, what's the best way to ripen the cervix? Now, ACOG does state and does recommend Pitocin in PROM cases, regardless of the cervix, because it tries to keep things out of the vaginal canal because of fear of chorioamnionitis or intramniotic infection. In that practice bulletin, it does state that vaginal misoprostol is effective, but it does have a slightly increased risk of chorioamnionitis. And the same is stated for intracervical balloon catheters, which is the focus of this podcast. 
Now, bear in mind, and I've got to say it right off the bat, that the Cook's cervical balloon does list as a contraindication for use ruptured membranes. Because remember that the purpose of this balloon isn't to force open the cervix, so it's not literally in the cervical canal, but it's meant to provide a continual cervical ripening or membrane stripping as it moves the membrane that's attached to the basalis layer in a continuous fashion as a fluid swishes around the balloon. So, if the amniotic sac is ruptured, the Cook intracervical balloon isn't really extra-amniotic but it's really intrauterine. And so the whole process of continuous membrane stripping really isn't there. So right off the bat, and to stick with label, remember that the Cook cervical ripening balloon is contraindicated by the manufacturer in cases of ruptured membranes. But people do use it off-label, and using things off-label is perfectly fine. We do a lot of that in medicine. Now, I know what you're thinking. Don't send me any messages. I know you're saying, hey, there's oral cytotech or buccal cytotech that can be done as well. And that's true. However, most practitioners either use three options in cases of PROM, straight Pitocin, or Pitocin with and mechanical method of dilation, like we're going to talk about right now, or vaginal prostaglandins, vaginal misoprostol, vaginal cytotec. Those are the three main ones. Yes, just for the record, I realize and I acknowledge there are oral ways to do this, but because the bioavailability of oral cytotec can be somewhat variable, most prefer the vaginal route. So that's why we're going to focus on vaginal ways to ripen the cervix with PROM. Now, the topic of this podcast is intracervical balloon catheters, a cook balloon, in cases of PROM, not cytotec, even though the data has been there that the use of vaginal cytotec in PROM cases is safe and actually does not raise the risk of clinical choreo to a significant degree. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, let's get right into the article from the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, June 2021. The title is Intracervical Balloon Catheter for Labor Induction After Rupture of Membranes. This is a systematic review and meta-analysis. The authors undertook this systematic review and meta-analysis to see if an intracervical balloon catheter was just as effective as pharmacological agents for induction of labor after rupture of membranes, and this included preterm PROM. Now, this study was a systematic review, and it included the Cochrane database as well as clinicaltrials.gov. Randomized trials comparing balloon catheter with or without pharmacologic agents with pharmacological agents alone for induction of labor after rupture of membranes at or near term were included. The included articles were assessed for risk of bias using the Cochrane Risk of Bias tool. Now, a total of nine published studies was found to meet the inclusion criteria, but after five were excluded because they were not able to get the specific data points, four studies contributed to the final data set for the analysis of this publication. 
According to this systematic review and meta-analysis of four RCTs, there was an increased risk of intraamniotic infection in those treated with intracervical balloon catheters compared to pharmacological agents. Now, although the confidence interval crossed one with a confidence interval of 0.9 to 3.73, when comparing the balloon group with oxytocin without a balloon use for induction of labor, there was a 3.2-fold increased risk of intraamniotic infection in the balloon group compared with the group that had Pitocin alone. So let's say that again because that's the clinical pearl. In this meta-analysis from June of 2021, they found a 3.2-fold increased risk of intraamniotic infection in those treated with intracervical balloon for cervical ripening after PROM. Remember, this is not just term, but included preterm cases as well. But there was no significant differences in other outcomes, including endometritis or suspected neonatal infection. So the authors concluded that the use of an intracervical balloon catheter for induction of labor when PROM is at hand almost doubled the risk of IAI compared with the use of pharmacological methods, in this case, Pitocin. As the presence of intramniotic infection alone is an isolated variable that has been linked to adverse neonatal outcomes, that's why this matters. It's not just about giving them amp and gent in labor and then seeing how they do. The presence of an intrauterine inflammatory state can have real outcomes for the child. Hang on there, guys, because we're almost at the end of the podcast. And you should be a little confused because there is data out there that has shown just the opposite. Now, remember, we're talking about data that has just been published in June 2021. And that's why I like systematic reviews and meta-analyses, because you can take a bunch of individual reports that say anything. But then when you group them together and do one meta-analysis, that's where things kind of fall out in the wash. And this latest meta-analysis did find an increased rate of choreo in the setting of PROM with the use of these balloon catheters. However, if you take a look at the Journal of Maternal Fetal Medicine back in 2016, a retrospective report by Irene Cabrera took a look at the same information. Now, this was not a meta-analysis in 2016, but it was a retrospective cohort study. And the title of that was Use of Intracervical Balloons and Choreo in Term Premature Rupture of Membranes. Well, what these researchers found after studying over 124-term PROM patients, they found that nulliparity and an intrauterine pressure catheter, but not the cervical ripening balloon, were associated with choreo. Now, in all disclosures, of course, this was a retrospective cohort study and not an RCT. And even though it found no increased rate of choreo with balloon catheter use in PROM, we are limited by the fact that it was retrospective. Again, that's why I like systematic reviews and meta-analyses, because you can take an individual report to interpret it pretty much anyway. But when you group them together, I think that's where the true scientific validity really is found. Well, now that we're at the end of the podcast, what are the take-home messages or the clinical pearls? Well, there are several. One, PROM happens and it's not infrequent. Second, we have to be aware of the data because that can alter our management decisions. While the college prefers oxytocin, we do have at our disposal vaginal prostaglandins and intracervical balloon catheters. But this latest review does show an increased rate of infection up to 3.2-fold with the use of this indwelling foreign body. Remember also that it is contraindicated by the manufacturer. 
So what do I like to use? Well, if the bishop score is under six, I am a fan of intravaginal cytotec or misoprostol because vaginal exams are different than intracervical examination for infection risk, knowing, of course, that there is a slightly increased risk with vaginal misoprostol as well. However, if the cervix is favorable, then just go straight for Pitocin because Pitocin also has a cervical ripening effect, although it can take longer to do its job. So there you go. You use the data as you see fit. Remember, my job is just to give you the most recent data out there. We have covered a new systematic review and meta-analysis from June of 2021, The Gray Journal. As always, thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.